No. 
on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's stand. Quiet, my feet rose to dance when death. 
at First Pres. It is such a privilege. Well, I want you to do something for me this morning. I want you to take a big 
deep breath right now, just as deep as it can go, and let out that breath. Friends, I want you to realize that God woke you up this morning. He woke you up and he gave you breath, the breath of life, the very breath of life. And at the same time, he nudged you. You may not realize it, but he did. He nudged you, maybe through someone, but he nudged you to come to worship and to sing his praises. And it's not because God needs a compliment. He's not desperate for your attention and compliments. It's because we desperately need it. When we sing God's praises in worship, we begin to go, oh, yeah, you are powerful. And the things that make us anxious pale in comparison. We begin to calm down when we thank him in the songs that we're singing and in the prayers that we're praying. Our eyes are laser locked on him, the one we're thanking. And we begin to realize, gosh, I don't need to be hyper-focused on a situation that leaves me unsettled and afraid. I can be focused on the one I'm thanking because he's going to move this mountain in my life. And when we come together in worship, God creates real transformation because he's building real relationships between ourselves and him and with each other. And the next thing you know, our circumstances and our lives start changing. They start transforming. This Thursday, November 11th, is Veterans Day. And we have the privilege this morning of honoring and praying for all men and women who through their military service have sacrificed their time, their strength, their ambitions, their health, even their lives. Jesus said there is no greater love than one who lays down their life for their friends. And they've done this both for the benefit of those they know and those they don't know. If you are a veteran, would you kindly stand and remain standing? And if you're online and a veteran, would you enter your name in the chat line and name all those also uh, that you know who are veterans? Baxter, you're not standing, and I know you're a veteran. <laughs> others, are there others? We, those that aren't here today, Ron, stay standing. Thank you. Those who aren't here today, Ron Flodo is a veteran, uh, Leroy Mitchell, my father, Rolf Arnhem. We thank God for all of you and for the sacrifices you have made and the sacrifice of your families. Can we applaud them with gratitude to God? So let's draw our hearts together towards the one who's more powerful than our circumstances and our situations and for whom we give thanks. Heavenly Father, our hearts are so full of gratitude as we consider the men and women around us in this very room and online with us and throughout the world who have sacrificed so much, laying down their lives for the sake of peace, to honor you. And so, Lord, we ask that you would fill their hearts with the very peace they sought to bring to us, but the kind that only you can give. Would you bring at peace those who are still in turmoil for having served? Men and women with PTSD all over our nation suffering. Lord, would you kindly heal them? 
And Lord, we also pray for others that we know and love in our congregation and beyond. We pray for Loris Garcia continuing to heal from surgeries in Orlando with her mother. Lord, we pray for Al Miller grieving over the loss of his beloved girlfriend, Dory, just a couple of weeks ago. Lord, would you wrap your arms around him and show him the path forward? Oh, Father, our hearts are so full of thanksgiving that this morning, Lynn Ritchie is able to be with us. Lord, in her healing process, post-stroke, she is here, and she loves you, and she's counting on your healing grace in her life every day. Lord, we also pray for Susan Rochford, healing from surgery, and for McLaurin Clark, daughter of Dick Clark, who is in a coma due to COVID in the Northwest. Lord, would you kindly awaken her and bring her back to the fullness of health that we can claim in you as the great physician. Lord, we also pray for Portia Young's mother in intensive rehab. We just ask for your grace over her. Lord, hear our hearts as we lean into you this morning, knowing that we're not here because you need a compliment, but because we need you. And we want to honor you with our trust. We want to honor you with our dependence, even when it doesn't seem like it. We need you, Lord. This communion table reminds us of that truth. For all these things, awaken us this morning to all of it. In Christ's name we pray, with gratitude and trust. Amen. If you're online, this is the perfect moment for you to grab what you need for communion. It can be juice, cookies, crackers, anything you have will work for communion. And if you're online or in worship and you're new to us, connect with us, if you would, by filling out a connect card. That way, you can find it online, you can access it by scanning this QR code, but never, oh, there it is, great. And you can let us know that you're here so that we can then join you and help you feel much more connected in to the life of the church. Good morning, my name is McLean Murphy, and I am excited to tell y'all that two weeks from today, on Sunday, November 21st, we are going to be at our brand new property, 3302 Horatio Street, right? So we've had so much fun here at Wrights, and we are crazy grateful to Jeff Mount and his team for letting us be here. And on November 21st, we are going to be at our new property. As, as most of you know, but just a reminder, we have been in the process of renovating half of the property. Long term, it's going to be the children's area. But for us in the interim, that's where the entire church will do worship. While we're worshiping there, we're going to be demoing the other half of the property and doing a fresh build of a lobby and of a sanctuary. And so we are so excited to be in this interim space. And so just in your mind, as you think about what these Sundays are going to look like, since we're a family, we're calling the 21st and the 28th our soft launch. We're going to work out the kinks as a family of what it looks like to be in a new space, right? And then on December 5th, we're going to call it our grand opening. So we want you there for all the weeks. We can't wait to be there and can't wait to see what God's going to do in this new place um, and in this new space for us. So I have the privilege 
of introducing to you Dylan and Shannon Burns, who are going to come up here and join me. They're going to tell you all about Serve Day, and they are the team leaders for this amazing group of men and women that are flat out making it happen. We're thanking God for both of you. Thank you, Kathy. So, yep, I'm Dylan. This is Shannon, and we are part of the Serve Day planning, or planning team. And we are very excited to announce that the Serve Day 2022 will be on Sunday, January 9th. So if you haven't already, mark your calendars. And for those who are here today, you may have seen some of these postcards we have out there. It's, it's a save the date. On the back is a QR code that you can uh, go ahead and sign up and show your interest in what projects you want to do. But if you're not familiar, uh, Serve Day is where we radically serve our communities. And that could be your time, your effort, your money, whatever that may be. But uh, we do we go out in the community and serve those who serve us, serve those uh, who are less fortunate than us. We do beautification projects all around our community. So we're very excited to put this together for you. We've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes and are very excited to see everybody join us on Sunday, January 9th, 2022. So it's coming around, but uh, go ahead and please sign up when you can. And don't forget to invite your family and friends who may not be here or joining us online today. Uh, thank you very much. And we'll be uh, hanging around outside afterwards to answer any questions or, uh, you know, help you guys sign up if you have any uh, additional questions that may come up. So thank you. Y'all are awesome. We want to invite you to be a part of this great moment in the history of First Pres by being a part of the Forward in Faith campaign. We want you to experience God's blessings, God's blessings, as we join in God's amazing adventure to boldly reach people that have no idea who Jesus is and to draw them into a loving community of faith-filled people. And we know that it is a bold act of faith that God wants us to do together. That's why we're praying for 100% participation. It's our way of saying, yes, God, we hear you, and we will act together. Even just filling out this pledge card to be a part of the Forward in Faith campaign is a way of putting your full trust in the Lord and doing a bold act of obeying him. That's what this is. And you can do this by filling one out this morning and putting it in the basket that you see at the back. You can take it home and pray about it, or you can fill it out online on our website. We want to be able to announce next week what the big number is. It just doesn't matter what you give. It's that you align with the community of faith so that we can impact generations to come. God started this whole thing so that we would grow to trust him more fully and obey him more boldly. God bless you. Please stand with us. Let all the earth rejoice. 
of your greatness, God. We just thank you for just a beautiful, crisp morning, Lord, with the time change and change in the weather, Lord, um, keeping in mind that you never change. Lord, thank you that even when we feel like we don't measure up or we don't hit the mark, Lord, that your faithfulness and your gratefulness or your greatness never changes, Lord, and your love for us never changes, God. So we thank you for that. Lord, today again, we just put our hearts before you. We pray that you would have your way in our lives, Lord, that you would be glorified. God, we pray for ears to hear and hearts to listen to this morning to what fits, um, what you have to say through fits, Lord. Just pray for your blessing on this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Monday, November 1, I broke... Let me see if I can time that again. I broke... Here we go. One, two, three. I broke. I broke the seal. I officially began the festive season. I started listening to Christmas music. Don't hate. There's no hating in here. The retail people got out and started before Halloween, and I said, I'm not letting them beat me anymore. I, so I started listening, and that's just the way it goes. But here's what's happening with us and our family. All nine of us who live here in Tampa are going to St. Augustine for a week and vacation between. Public school gets out a week from this coming Friday, and so Sunday after church, the 21st, Kathy and I and our children and grandchildren are all going to St. Augustine. We're going to have a memorial service for my mom, who died February, uh, May 9, 2020, so that's going to be awesome that we finally get to do that together. But the festive season has begun, and I don't care whether you like it or not, I listened to Amy Grant Christmas music all day yesterday. <laughs> so there. Now, I can't tell you his name, but his initials are Tony Haroon. And, and he said, given the fact that we're all headed into family experiences, that three things go bad after 48 hours. Fish, foul, family. <laughs> and that prompts us into thinking about how we relate to one another. How we relate to one another. We have a one another image. Come on up there, image. It'll be up in a sec. Yeah. Three weeks, we're going to talk about one another, and we're going to get challenged by this rich, textured com a mess command that we hear from Jesus. And then the great apostle Paul helping us to understand how to put it into action in real ways in our ordinary, everyday lives. That's what's coming this morning. But I thought being around family is a great way to get us started thinking about how we love one another. And we, we want to love each other well. That's what we're going to be challenged to do. We're going to be challenged to love one another well, and we're going to be challenged to understand that it doesn't have to be this funny joke about things going bad after a couple of days. We can do this and do this well, and we're going to learn to do it well because that's what it means to be a family. Kathy called us a family earlier, and McLean called us a family. The, the clarity about what it means to be Jesus' people is we're family. We're sons and daughters of the Almighty King, and therefore we're brothers and sisters with each other. We don't get to not love some of them. That's not, you don't get that choice. Now, I realize some people are hard to like, and you may be one of the people that other people think are hard to like. But see, in the heaven and earth people that we are, we, we tune into relationship. It's about 
how we relate to God and to each other and in real relationships. And now that slide is up. Real relationships that result in real transformation. Here's the beauty of what it means to be God people, Jesus people, heaven and earth people. Relationship is both the method and it's the desired result. They're both happening at the same time. In other words, we have a relationship with God, our maker, and we connect with him, and we're intimate with him, surrender to him. But we also go deeply into relationships with each other on purpose, and we go out and love people relationally in the world where they hurt and where there's need. And that's what family does. So this is not about being an institution, although we are that. But what we really are is family. Read the book of Acts. It's crystal clear. Israel was God's family, and now the followers of Jesus are the new Israel. It's a family, and that's what we do. And we learn to love one another well. And that's the goal that we want to kick around for three weeks today and the next two Sundays. Life change, life impact, it's fundamentally, unapologetically, endlessly, relentlessly relational. We relate to God and we relate to each other, and we relate to God's world in the individual and corporate ways that God puts us out there to go do that. And this is the journey that we're on. And, and so Jesus, I said we're going to get a challenge. It's a welcoming challenge, but it's a command. And here it is. Look at what Jesus has to say. By the way, this is the last few hours of Jesus' life. He's going to be executed soon. And in John chapter 13, which you see a, pitch, a, pick, a piece of here, what has happened previously is Jesus washed his closest followers' feet, showing them how to serve. That's what has happened. They, they, don't, they don't understand. He's been talking about being executed. They really don't understand. And in the middle of that, he says these words, a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another. And then we have, I think, a colon up there in the text. Yes, to help you understand, here's the new commandment, restatement of it. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. I'll pause and say something about why does he call it a new commandment? Some of you may have already thought of this. It's not new in the understanding of God's revelation to the people. This is an old commandment that we love each other. We're told to love God with all our heart and soul and mind. We love our neighbors as ourselves. So that part isn't new. What's new is the standard, the measure. He washed their feet as a way of showing them, and I'm pointing for you online at the communion table. He's later going to die. The way we love each other is to sacrifice for the other. That's how we do it. So Jesus is saying, I want you to love each other really well. And guess what? I just raised the bar. It's way up here now. That part is new. Giving your life for someone else. He says that to him. And, and you know what? He wants us to be famous for this. He wants the family of Jesus followers to be famous for how we love each other. He wants us to be known that way. Look at the line. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. People are going to know 
And then the word disciple shows up. So I need to have you listen really carefully and work with me here. Many of you in the room, many of you online might go, well, then I'm out because I'm not a disciple. Oh, yes, you are. You are, if you're, you're in this room or you're online because you want to connect more to God. You want maturity. Now, some folks might be looking going, I'm not really sure about this Jesus person. And if that's who you are here in the room or online, here's what I would invite you to do. Listen carefully to how Jesus wants you to live and decide whether or not you think that's the kind of attractive person you'd like to fall in love with and serve as your Lord. If you're not a person who's clear that you're a Jesus follower, but if you in any way, shape, or form have said, yes, I'm a Jesus follower, then in, you might not be a profoundly mature disciple. You might feel like you're an infant, but you're still a disciple. And what we want to do is be more, I think you wouldn't be in the room. You're all here. We're all here. I'm here. I want to mature. I want to grow. And to think about it like the human life cycle, birth, infancy. And maybe that's where you are. But maybe, maybe you've grown some in your faith and you're a child. And then maybe as a child you start looking around and go, wait a minute, there's a lot of people around here. There's stuff I can do to, to make a difference and I can help. And so you, you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm like a young adult. And then you realize, wait, I, I, Jesus wants me to help other people who have not yet been born into the family of faith. He wants me to birth children and you become a parent. Many of you are trying to make your family, your children that you're growing in faith. And so you're learning what it means to be a spiritual parent at home. But just apply it. Friends, people you work with, somebody who's a classmate in school. And so we're on this journey from becoming new people in Jesus, from infancy to childhood to young, early adulthood, young adulthood to parenting. And all of us want to be mature, but all of us, it, either you are or aren't a disciple. There's no like, it's not, you just are. You've started following Jesus or you haven't. And what he's saying is disciples love people really well. And then other people will see it. And guess what? They want in. Who do you know? Who is it in your life, in your family, in your work? in your school, in your, your friend group where you recreate and have fun and just hang out, who is it that doesn't need to know that they're loved? Is there one? Do you have one? You don't. I don't. Who doesn't need to be a part of a family where we really love each other well? And so many people don't know it. And you love them, but they don't know that they're loved by God. And that may be the person God wants you to love well. So Jesus is passing this really, really powerful command onto us. Love people, love each other, family, the way I love you. And guess what? You're going to make me famous. They're going to watch it, and they're going to want in on it. And I want them to have it. It's not me doing heavy lifting. It's not you, by the way. You're not doing the heavy lifting. It's the almighty God of the universe who does the loving. We're just the, the midwives. We're the conduit. And there's a secret. When you start loving other people well, oh, you feel better about you. You get a little kick bonus on the back, you know. It's really, it's just the truth. We take our minds off self onto other, and the next thing you know, I feel better about self. But the, if self is the goal, oh, that's
that's not really the goal. The goal, Jesus is saying, go love other people the way I did. And he gave it all. He took a bullet. It's the secret sauce. So concretely, how can we do this today? Next week, you're going to hear about grudges. Huh? We're going to work on grudges next week. But that's next week. Come back. <laughs> today, we're going to talk about words. One anothering. We're, we're going to turn one another, which is an adjective and a noun and a pronoun. We're going to turn it into a verb. We're going to talk about learning to be better at one anothering. Okay? So I just made it into a verb. And I know those, those of you, you're tired of me talking about grammar, whatever. Don't hate me. But one anothering is what we're doing to make it action-oriented. And we're going to use our words to get better at one another. And remembering that Jesus' followers, whether they're very young and not all that terribly mature, to whether you're profoundly influencing all kinds of people by becoming parents to them and everybody in between, all of us want more. And the way we're going to do it is with our words. And we're going to help make Jesus famous by the way we talk to people. Watch this. This comes from this unbelievable dude, the Apostle Paul. He's some, he's some unbelievable. And the Apostle Paul, is start, he's writing to people in the middle of what you would call today Turkey, a city called Ephesus, and he's trying to help them understand the implications. Paul's saying, basically, you've, you've been made into new people. And because you've been made into new people, and because you're a part of God's new people who, is God, who are God's family, and because we're in this family business together to make God famous in all of the realms and arenas of our life, because all of those things are true, this is how you should talk to each other. Use your words this way. Paul, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. I'm just going to read it, and then I'm going to say some cool things about it. Y'all are going to like this. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is good for building others up according to their needs that it may uh, that it may give grace to others who hear don't let any un unwholesome talk come out of your mouths now the first thing that i see when i see that is fits you know you can clean it up a little bit and but let me, let me say, this is not about your individual and my individual purity. Is if somehow I say less bad words and therefore I'm a better boy. Now, it's, it's, yes, there's some of us need to not say so many bad words. I got that. But notice this is an omissional thing, an action-oriented thing. The way we talk is because we're trying to make stuff happen in other people's lives. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I did a little word study, and the, the word, I looked at it in Greek, and I, don't, I didn't recognize it. The word word is in there, and then there's this adjective modifying it. And in this English tech translation here, you see it says unwholesome. Well, I looked it up. You're going to love this. You know what the root meaning of this word is? I'll have to pronounce it for you in Greek. Spados, spadros. You know what it means? Rotten fish. <laughs> I'm t hey, I'll show you the dictionary. Don't have rotten fish breath. But not because you're supposed to be some morally pure person who just stands and never does anything wrong. That's not at all. Look, it's because we're looking for a totally different result. The way we talk to people, don't breathe your rotten fish breath on them. Don't do that. 
do this instead. Look, look, Paul's constructing this fantastic, rich piece of truth, teaching, instruction, guidance, correction. Instead, say words that are good, and the word good is in there. In English, it's agatha, agathos. Say words that are good, and then for building up, in the word for building, building, like those of you who are in the construction business, it's like the word for building, for house for building up others, and then another zinger as they have need. Here's the problem. We all have a ratio. Good word, bad word ratio. You're not going to like what I'm about to say, and I'm speaking first about me. Your good word, bad word ratio, unless you're something really special, and guess what? There's a climate out there that just sort of makes this natural. I'm not going to go too much more into the climate out there, but it's out there. Your good word, bad road ratio is one to three. My good word, bad road ratio is one to three. Now this week, see, I knew what I was going to talk about, right? So I started practicing on her. Have you noticed a little something this week? See, I, I When I finish what I'm saying here before we introduce the Lord's Supper, I'm going to say to you, change the ratio. That's what I'm going to say. That's what Paul's saying to us. But let's go back and talk about good word, bad word ratio. If you're like most people, I remember doing this years ago thinking about my kids. And so quickly I would say when they were home and I was raising them, we we had boys at home. No, no, no. And I started going, how many times do I say no before I ever say yes? And so I, what, what I'm challenging you to do is think about it this way. In your marriage, you, you want to know what the gold standard is? Five good ones to one bad one. That's the gold standard. But if you can just get to 50-50, <laughs> then we got to start on it. You know what I'm saying? But if you're one to three now, just if you can go three to three, you know, I'd say maybe drop that three down to a two and work the one up to a two, you know, and then maybe you can keep going and get it to five to one. That's not true for everybody, but this is, a, this is a therapist who's also a scientist, and he's researched 30,000 North American marriages. His last name is Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N. Five to one, he says, is the ratio that results in flourishing in marriage. For those of you in your businesses, in your teams, think about it, boss. Think about it, employee. Does it, doesn't it just jack you up to go work really hard when your boss just yells at you and then walks out of the room? See, how about this? How about if God, how would you feel if God was saying snide and bitter things about you? How about if you came in here this morning or you're with us online and we're singing, we're worshiping, we're praying, and we're being a family together, but you found out later that God was outside while we were doing this. You're singing to him and praying, and he's talking about your back to people, negatively about you. About the, how would that be? Well, we know that's not what God does. But man, when we do it, I'd, in the family, we don't talk about people. We talk to people. There's going to be conflict. Every family, every business, every team has conflict. It's natural. It's good. 
It's good because when you resolve it in a biblical way, you're stronger. And most of us in the room right now are scared to death of conflict, and we run from it and avoid it. I've watched a marriage fall apart under which I was born. We never talked about it. I learned to ignore it growing up. So now as an adult, I have to figure out, <laughs> can I say it to her? <laughs> I, it's, it's about me. It's not about Kathy. I'm scared to death. So are you, many of you. And it's about love, and it's about truth, and it's about grace. It's all of the above. Of course, we have to say things that are true, but we do it in a loving way. It's a five to one. If you got a one, wrap it with five pluses. It's just Jesus' way. Jesus looked people in the eye, and they knew they were loved. And then he said what he needed to say to help them correct. And then he loved them again on the other side. It was a praise sandwich. You got praise for the bread and the, and the zinger in between. Oh, but it hurts when people talk about me. It hurts when people talk about you. It hurts when we say things about other people. And what Paul's saying is, don't do that. Lose the fish breath. Not because, it's okay if you have fish breath if you're never around anybody, but we're not hermits. We don't live in silos. We're looking through everything about our family through the lens of relationship. The relationship is the method, and it's also the end. It's what we're trying to accomplish, and it's how we accomplish it. And we love people really well. And today we're being told, use your words, noticing what people need, and then say positive things into their life. Speak Push the words out. Now, if you're, if you're thinking about this, this is really hard. I can't do it. I understand. Give it a try. It's going to feel a little awkward at first. But you'll get better at it. I, I totally understand. So say the positive thing, and then you'll get better and push it out. And hold back on the negative thing. And just wait. My guess is that you'll find out that the, you didn't really need to say the negative thing most of the time. Now, when there's something you have to talk about, you have to talk about, we have to do it with love and with grace and with truth. you gotta, you got to match grace and love in there with the truth part. P clearly, correction, discipline, accountability, all that. Those are all real parts of life and family life. Push out. The building up. Remember I said when Paul used this word about which are good for building up, he's thinking about a structure, and the structure is the relationship. And it's about people's needs. And when you're, when you're close to people, you know what their needs are. And then you can speak life into their lives as you sense the need for them. And you can be a person who speaks good words to people. And guess what happens? Look at the last part of the line. Grace. Paul says this, that grace gets released. They're going to hear grace. And we're being called to be a family that makes Jesus famous by the way we talk to each other with words that build people up as they need to be built up and so demonstrate the grace of God in the way we treat each other, which includes resolving differences in a loving, truthful way. We can do this. I told you I was going to finish by telling you to do something. And I want, I, I'm going to tell you that in just a minute, but I want to remind you of a particular concrete exercise that I want you to engage in. I want you right now to think about either your family 
or where you work or some friends you hang out with or somebody you're in school with. And I want you to pick one person just out of one of those arenas. One person right now in your mind to whom you're going to speak words of love, pluses, and you're going to work on five to one right now in your mind. Who is it? There's somebody in your life that needs to hear words that build them up where they have need. There's somebody in your life in one of these ways that we all have arenas. There's somebody to whom you can say a life-giving, life-building word right where they need it. It'll be awesome. And people are going to notice. And Jesus will be famous. As I promised you, change the ratio. And then let's watch together as a family and see what God does. There's a beautiful word being spoken to you and me. Everyone right here in front of us. And you know what the word is? It's a word from God to you and to me. And here it is in front of us. Simple three-letter word. Yes. Jesus speaks to you and me. And what he says is, yes. Yes, I love you. Yes, I gave my life for you. Yes, you are an image bearer. I made you in my image. Yes, you have brokenness. Yes, you've screwed up. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. I loved you. I made you. I loved you. I went first. I am first. I love you. In my word to you, Jesus is saying, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, is yes, new life is possible. Yes, healing is possible. Yes, you can be a five-to-one ratio word person. Yes, you can recover from the hurt or brokenness in a relationship where it's always negative. Yes, yes, yes. That's what we celebrate here. That's the meaning of this. It's God's yes to all human beings and to you and to me. We simply choose to surrender to this love that we experience in the resurrected Jesus. And you know what I'm about to say, but I'll remind you of it. The great Jesus is at, a, at this great meal and it's great because of what's coming next. And he takes a piece of bread, and he's with his closest friends. We call them the apostles. They're all Jesus followers. Who, that means they're also disciples like you and I are. And he breaks the bread, and he says, this bread is my yes to you. Because I am going to give my life for you. My body will be broken. And with them there would have been wine. This is grape juice. And Jesus says, this represents my blood. It's a way for me to say yes to you. I love you. I will make you into a new person. I, I take everything that you are and I'll turn it into something better. I will be in your relationships. I will be in your job. I will be in your family. I will be in your life. Yes. So you have one of these with you and, and, uh, there are some gluten-free here if you wanted one and you want to sneak up and grab one. So that we're going to all together open the smaller piece, which is the bread. And then I'm going to remind us of the meaning of it. Family. The people that follow Jesus together, brothers and sisters. 
This bread represents God's love for us that we know in the brokenness of Jesus' body. It's his way of saying, I love you. Yes to you. Let us take it together. On the other side, grape juice. The blood of Jesus spilled at his execution. The way he loves us is his yes to us. And so drink this now, having God say to you, yes. Children of the king, brothers and sisters to each other, let me offer a prayer. Gracious God, we thank you that because you speak good words into us, we can then be people who love one another well, love the way you did, and we can use our words to make a difference in someone else's life. We think about the other more than we think about ourselves, and the next thing you know, you use us. And when that happens, grace flows. Thank you for making us more and more into a family, a family that, that's real, that's authentic, that's transparent, and we all know that our lives begin to transform in beautiful ways when we allow ourselves to connect with you and with your people in a loving and open and transparent way. Thank you that we get to go be your people in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, as the band plays this outro and as these fine young folks come get their communion, I want you to do this. Go out there, change the ratio, yeah?